all this morning. <clears throat> Give you a little report on Pastor. Uh, Y'all are aware that he had a collapsed lung and they tried to fix it in ER and two days later he had surgery and uh, he is doing better. Um, I said this morning it's kind of like the two-step. He's taking two steps forward and one step back and so it's slow. Uh, he has been in a lot of pain. He told me to be sure and tell you how much he loves you and how much he appreciates your prayers. Uh, probably visiting him at this time or bringing food uh, would not. He's got plenty of food, and for him to get up and have to come to the door may not be productive. So if you would, just kind of hold off for a little while. But uh, he is doing very well. He's strengthening each day. And so we're grateful for this. I'm uh, going to give you a little bit of a different kind of message this morning. It's going to be on peace, but uh, I don't know how many of you remember, but each year, Pastor lets me read the Christmas story. And I love to do it. And I love to do it out of the old King James. And so, but as I was reading the Christmas story, there's one thing that just stuck out. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I'll read to you. Let's look at Micah 5.2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. That is to be ruler over Israel, whose going forth has been from of old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth have brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. And this man shall be the peace. Luke 2, 13 and 14. And suddenly there was an angel. There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us is born a child, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we were healed. Revelation 1, 4. John, to the eleven churches which are at Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to know what peace is. Father, I pray that you would help me with this lesson, that your spirit would go forth. Lord, that you teach us what the peace of God truly is. And we thank you for it. As we contemplate and kind of think of peace and we think of what the world thinks peace is. And most of the definitions that you would find for peace is 
Peace is what I perceive if everything is done my way. And so we have this. And we know that everything's not done our way. Jeremiah 8.11 says, peace, peace, where there is no peace. We live in a world that everybody's seeking peace and nobody can find it. And so as we, as we think of this and think of everyone seeking peace, let's see what we do and where do we go to find peace. I think the, the first thing we need to do is to find out what peace really is. So I looked up in the dictionary and it gave nine definitions for peace and we'll go over them. The first two is the non-warring condition of a nation, group of nations, or the world. The second is an agreement or treaty between warring or antagonistic, antagonistic nations, groups, etc., to end hostilities and abstain from further fighting or antagonism. So what we have is, is the supposition that this is not war. And in supposing that it is a peace that brings this from war, you have to suppose that there is a war. And there certainly is a war going on. And as we think of this, we think of the world and what's happening and what is, you know, people are seeking peace from so many areas that are so foolish. Our teenagers are seeking peace from transgenderism. Our nation is seeking peace by spending and spending and spending. Young ladies are seeking peace by killing their babies. What kind of peace are we seeking? What kind of people are we? And so, as we as we think about the definitions of peace, I want us to, I got a picture sent this week, and it was a picture of the United States. And it was red and blue. I don't want to be political. It wasn't, it wasn't a political thing. The majority of it was red. The blue area was down along the border on Texas, all along the west coast up, and then some population areas and a lot on the East Coast. And I'm not trying to give you a political statement. What this was, and everything else was red, that little blue. The blue area was had 3% of the guns and 97% of the shootings. The large red area had 97% of the guns and 3% of the shootings. Now, that is, that is really good, Matt, but I would tell you this. I think if you look at Christian influence, you would almost say the same. Now, I'm not relating holding guns to Christianity at all, but I'm saying that if you look at a lot of things, that map is consistent. 
And when you look at our border problem, our West Coast problem, where immorality, where everything is, is terrible, and they have all of these problems, and we look and we say, they can't find peace. There is no peace for them. Absolutely not. This is, in a lot of areas, like walking into a den of vipers. And it is bad. And you say, well, you're comparing people to a den of vipers. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me show you something right quick. Genesis 3.13, And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Revelation 22, And he laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. John 8.44, You are the father you are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he spoke a lie, he speaketh his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Matthew twelve thirty four. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things, but out of the abundance of your heart the mouth speaketh? Matthew 23, 32, and 33. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? So I think a lot of times that we use the examples and lost people think, I'm a good person. Why on earth would God judge me? I don't do this and I don't do that. But if you look at the example that I just gave you, they're vipers, lost people. We were vipers. I don't know how many of this is going to date me quite a bit. Uh, there are very few in here that probably can remember it. But there was a song in 69 by Al Wilson, and it was called The Snake. And it was about this lady that went out on a frosty morning and found this snake, and it was about half froze to death, and she brought it in and caressed it and wrapped it up in a cloth and let it warm, and she went to work and came back, and when she came back, the snake had come alive. And she said, oh, you beautiful thing, you've come alive, I've done such a nice thing, and she picked it up, and the snake bit her. And she says, how could you do that? I brought you in. I gave you life. And now I'm going to die. And the comment was, you forget. I am a snake. I am a snake. So as we think of these, I want you to think that, that we live and God views us as a nest of vipers. Not good people. A nest of vipers. I had a, a dear friend in Texas and went down and looked at his cattle many times. And when I walked in, he would give me what looked like catcher's 
shin guards, only they went all the way around your leg, and they were for snake guards. And we would go out in the pasture, and he always carried a gun with him because of the snakes. And he had a cabin that migrants worked in during, that lived in during the summer. And in the fall, when it started to get chilly, they would build a fire in the fireplace. And he would stop by to get them started to work the next morning and they would all be outside. And this happened so many times. And they said, there's a snake in our cabin. And what happened is, underneath the fireplace was a pit. And when it got cold, all of these snakes gathered in this fireplace pit. And he took a bulldozer and bulldozed it down. And the bulldozer man saw all the snakes in the pit. And he said, you know, I'm going to go run over them and kill them because they deserve to be killed. And he did. And all of a sudden, all you could see was this dozer going as fast as it could away. And what had happened is the track picked up the snakes. And as he moved, they were flipping them up on him. And so he was going. Now, I tell you that story to tell you this, that we've talked about the pit of vipers and, and that, that, Chris, that this world is like living in a pit of vipers. Those are, are things that all they do is kill. And when we're not in Christ, we are vipers. Our whole motive is to kill. And we, and we point and look at some of the, the, the bad things. I would talk to Josh that went to Mardi Gras or to some of the gay pride uh, things. You guys go out and, and you're dealing with a bunch of vipers. They are there to kill. And that is their main thing. And they have no peace. They search for peace. And I commend you guys. You have to... You need our prayers, and we pray for you. But that is a dangerous situation. But these people are not there to glorify God. They are there to sin, to kill. And, and all of the earthly things that we can do to straighten up that situation is like that bulldozer that ran over those snakes Massive as it is, and it didn't solve the problem, it created a worse problem. And so many of the world's problems are so distorted by what we try to do. So I want to use those examples. Now, as we think on it, and as we look at the lost of the world, let's... Think how bad we are. The Bible talks about, I just gave you that, that we were vipers. It also says that none are righteous, no, not one, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. 
destruction and misery are in their way, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So as we look at this, a lot of people think, how on earth can God judge them or us if we're not saved? And if you look at this example of the viper, how on earth can God not judge them if they're not saved? What would you do if you had, if you were dealing with a pit of vipers on your place? Would you not destroy them? Absolutely. And we think, we think that, you know, people think that, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm pretty good. Why would God judge me? No. They're just like those vipers, folks. They don't have the peace of God. They don't have God. And so the answer to this is, is the same answer that we've, that we've had before, but God. And let's look at Romans 5, 8, and 9. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. As venomous as we are, how on earth could God love us? Only God could do it. We deserve death, but God loves us. The second, the third definition of this is a state of mutual harmony between people or groups, especially in personal relationships. We have dedicated people that are missionaries. We have the one that's in and goes to the Middle East, two of them, our church supports many. I have a dear friend that was a missionary to Bolivia all his life. His folks were there. In the 40s, they ran a leper colony. He was out and he worked with the Ayare Indians. I had the opportunity to go with him 20 years ago. I didn't think it had been that long, but 20 years ago. And these people in the 40s, the IRA, there was, at least in that time, there were 240 different sects of Indians that had 240 different languages in Bolivia. These folks in the 40s were naked, cannibalistic. Their firstborn, they dug like a post hole and put them in head first and covered them up if the elderly could not migrate with them, they dug a hole kind of like a bed, laid them down in it and covered them up. They warred. I can tell you of many experiences. These folks, there were two sects of the IRA Indians. And the IRA Indians, I told you, were called ground people. And a lot of the prehistoric cave people that you see in the textbooks today were pictures of these Ayurveda Indians in the 1940s. 
think about that. Anyway, they warred. They all went to us. They migrated totally, constantly, constantly. And they went to the salt flats, and they had a war every year at the salt flats, these two sects. And they would kill, and it was their religion that if someone killed them, they had to kill them. And so they had a war there every year. And so the, the thing was, as you can see all the problems that they had. And when I was there 20 years ago in the villages, it was so impoverished. Um, you cannot believe it. I can't describe it. The young people would go away and go to Santa Cruz and either uh, uh, beg or uh, uh, sell themselves. And the only way they'd come back to the villages is that they were too diseased to work anymore. And it was so sad. This is the kind of people that they are. The, the inability to communicate and everything else but these people that were missionaries stayed there and were dedicated and dedicated and presented Christ to them. And even during that time, they'd still meet at the salt flats and war and kill. Do you know what they're doing today? In Santa Cruz, the villages, the outer villages are pretty much empty. They've moved into the, the bigger cities. Those two warring tribes are coming together and worshiping. Christ is a difference. Christ is a difference. And so we have a responsibility to do this. When Christ enters the picture, we have peace. Let's go on to more definitions. I'm going to read four of them here. The normal freedom from civil commotion and violence of a community, public order, and security. Number five, cessation of or freedom from any strife or dissension. Number six, freedom of the mind from annoyance, distraction, anxiety, and obsession, tranquility, serenity. Number seven, a state of tranquility and serenity. Number eight, a state or common or condition conducive to, proceeding from, or character by tranquility. This is what the world is seeking. And we have two different verses that I want to read to you. And they're going to be in, the first one is what, Tyler just read a while ago, and it's Romans 5, 1, and I want you to see the difference. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the next one is um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have two things. We have what the world wants. They want peace. They want tranquility. They want everything going their way. 
They want the peace of God. What they don't have, and they cannot have the peace of God, they don't have the peace with God. They don't understand that that has to come first. Peace with God. If You cannot have peace until you've made peace with God. And then you receive the peace of God. And the only way that you can receive the peace with God is that He gives it to you. He grants the viper a new body, a new mind, a new heart, a new person. That's the only way. Christ does it. So as we think on these, look at the world and pity them. Without Christ, they cannot have peace. They desire all the things, the peace of God, the tranquility, the, the, the comfort in their heart. They can't have it until Christ has come in their heart, until the Holy Spirit has done the work of Christ. And that can't happen unless we share the gospel. It has to be. The last one is silence or stillness. And, I, you know, every time I think of this, I have to go to one of my favorite chapters, Psalms 46. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to go with some relatives to Canada, up to Crow Lake. And a lot of you don't know this, I'm, a, I'm an early person. I love to get up, I love the sunrise. And so I would get up every morning, a little before sunrise, and go out and sit by the lake and pray and read. And you could look out over the lake and it was like still. There was not a movement. It was flat. It was like glass. And as the sun came up, the wind did not increase. As the sun came up, the lake would start rippling. The loons would start singing. It was like creation came alive. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. But if that is the definition of stillness and silence, I'm all for it. It was beautiful. That's the kind of peace that we can have in our soul when we have Christ. I want us to think, this is going to be a short sermon, so I want us to think, I want to give you a couple of examples, and we're going to sing one in just a minute. How many of you know who Horatio Spafford is? Raise your hand. Okay. Not very many. Let me tell you about Horatio. He, uh, in, in 1871, he was a lawyer. He lived in Chicago. And the great Chicago fire destroyed most of his real estate. His only son died shortly after that. 
and his family was depressed and he sent his wife and four daughters to Europe and he would meet them there and they would uh, kind of have a, he wanted to meet with other Christians so that they could kind of be uplifted. The loss of the son, the loss of his possessions was really dwelling on him. On the way to Europe, the ship that his wife and daughter were in ran into another ship and killed 226 passengers, of which his four daughters died. His wife was alive. He left here on another ship to sail over and comfort his wife. And on the way, he wrote some lyrics. And we are going to sing them right after I finish. But remember that and make that lyrics very precious to you. The last thing that I want to do is tell you a very recent story and this is about your dear pastor. You know that his lung collapsed two weeks ago Sunday and that he had a very traumatic time in the ER. They tried to get the air out and they used a bent needle and it didn't work and they used another needle and then he had to go in for surgery on Tuesday. On Monday and Monday night, he was in tremendous pain. And he told me about it. And he was in tremendous pain uh, right after the, the surgery. He said that's some of the worst pain that he'd ever had. This was in ER, not the one that, that put him out. His words to me, he said, it was af as if when I was going through this pain, Christ was right there with me. He said, I praised God and I sang hymns. What a wonderful time, he said, I had. That is the peace of God. Folks, we know that. Be thankful. Talk to those vipers. They need saved. Let us pray. Father, how grateful we are for your word, for peace. Lord, we ask your blessing on this service. We pray that Christ was glorified. We thank you for loving us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.